My name is Diana, and I'm an alcoholic. This is an open meeting of the Atlantic Group of Alcoholics Anonymous, and all are welcome to attend. We hope that what you learn here may be helpful to your recovery and or understanding. Tonight is anniversary night. The format of tonight's meeting will be a main speaker who will speak for 25 minutes, followed by our information break and the anniversary celebrants. Our main speaker tonight is Dick. My name is Dick and I'm an alcoholic. And I just love anniversary meetings. Um, before I came to Alcoholics Anonymous, like so many of us, I knew absolutely nothing about it. To say the least, uh, nothing about long-term sobriety. I thought people would be here today, gone tomorrow, dropping like flies. Um, and it's so different, and it's so great. Uh, remember my first anniversary? Uh, was celebrated in a, in a very well-organized group like this up in Kingston, and they brought up a cake to each of the celebrants, the spouse, if they were lucky enough to still have one, brought up the cake. Mary Pat, who's my guest tonight, as is Clark, in the front row, one of my sponsors. And I wasn't 100% sure whether I would get the cake in the face or whether it would just be handy. And there was a lot of reason why it might have been the former. Um, like so many of us, I started drinking when I was in high school. Um, it didn't take me long to look forward to whatever weekend or night before a school holiday there was that offered the opportunity to drink. I drank actually for a period of uh, 22 years. So before I ever read the big book, I practiced singleness of purpose. I, I wasn't involved in any other substances, as Peggy says, because I was born before 1950. <laughs> uh, uh, I, um, I got through college, through high school, without uh, any particular problems. I went to college, and although uh, drinking was very, very much a part of, of uh, my social life at college, um, I, I actually met Mary Pat at college, and uh, we got married and moved to New York, where I uh, came here to go to law school on the theory that I, after I uh, got graduated from law school, I'd go back to Wisconsin, and uh, which was my home. And um, well, for one reason or another, I haven't found my way back yet. <laughs> I. Uh, I uh, in addition to drinking 22 years, I'm pretty sure I drank 14 or 15 years every single solitary day. And I'm even more sure that the last year and a half of my drinking, up to now at least, uh, I drank in the morning. Uh, and um, for a long time, alcohol did not get in the way. I, as I say, I went to law school, I did very well. Got a job with a good firm on Wall Street, did very well in the firm. Um, I always considered myself very fortunate that I was blessed with the ability to drink because all my friends, clients, uh, etc., all seemed to be drinkers. I had no idea, as my first sponsor Jim would tell me years later, that we have a tendency to gravitate toward each other. 
Remember, he told me these are the same people who used to drink with. They just don't drink anymore. And I think in a way that's very, very true. But um, so I was able to accomplish a lot. Um, I'm not saying from for certain uh, my life wasn't wasn't perfect. It was the, the the specter of alcoholism was always there. The outward manifestations began to appear more regularly, and um, by the time my drinking career concluded, as I say, up to now, I was at the point where, although I had accomplished things at the firm, I had all I could do to read or write a one paragraph or even a one sentence letter. That's the truth. Um, on the morning of December 22nd, 1977, I found myself sitting in McCrudden's bar on, at 57th and Broadway, looking at the Christmas decorations, equipped with the, a list of three uh, rehabs that my psychiatrist, who I had just seen, had given me at the recommendation of some doctor that she had called. And I was sitting there looking at the Christmas decorations in this kind of in this establishment and uh, early morning open and of course and I'm there with my Levi's and my torn ski jacket and I'm wondering how a nice guy like me from Wisconsin ended up like this. Uh, I knew that I would never be able to practice law again for the reasons I just said and I assumed that the reason was because of, and the reason I was drinking was because of the pressure that I felt I was under. And um, so I was sitting there mulling all this over and thank God, literally, I got the idea that it's 10 cents for a phone call, the family's finances to the extent I still have a family, which was hanging by the slenderest of threads, believe me, for good reason. Um, Professionally, I was—I had no prospect. I thought of of making any it, substantial amount of money again ever in my life, and I had heard somewhere that AA was free. <laughs> so I went to the back of McCrudden's bar, and I put ten cents in the in the telephone. There are no cell phones in 1977, in case you're wondering. <laughs> Um, I looked up the number of Alcoholics Anonymous in the phone book because I was too embarrassed to ask the anonymous uh, operator who gave out information what the number of Alcoholics Anonymous was, literally. So I called and I told the man I think I might be an alcoholic. And he said, um, okay, he said, somebody's going to call you at 6 o'clock tonight. Now, it's interesting. You'll hear all different kind of reactions from people at intergroup. Some say there's a meeting down there. Other people present themselves at intergroup without calling first. But I'm there at 6 o'clock that evening. The phone rings. And um, the voice says, uh, my name is Jim, and I'm an alcoholic. And I understand you called Alcoholics Anonymous earlier today. And I remember thinking, yeah, they probably have to say they're alcoholic after their name in case so, so they don't forget <laughs> and in a way 
It's 100% true. <laughs> so he starts telling me about AA, as I said, it's terrific, same people he used to drink with. Um, I'm thinking used to drink, um, you know, how could this be the past tense? I'm never gonna be able to give up drinking. So I'm only giving him, you know, name, rank, and serial number, so to speak, but, but he's doing most of the talking. And, he says, by the way, he says, you're drinking now, I assume, which I was. Not too excess, if I may say so, but of course I was. And I said that to him. I said, who wouldn't be drinking if they were going to AA the next day? And he said, it sounds like you have a sense of humor, and that will come in handy when you get there. And I'm thinking it certainly will, because this is going to be misery loves company. And this is the truth. Uh, to the extent I ever thought about Alcoholics Anonymous, I knew for sure there were five old men that wore raincoats, that huddled around a card table with a single light, uh, and the whole thing was based on, 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 on misery, love's company, and I, I like to say that out loud because believing that in my heart of hearts, I called Alcoholics Anonymous that morning anyway. Right? To be the sixth man, if you will. <laughs> or person, I should say. Um, so he said, well, look, he said, try not to drink. We're going to meet tomorrow at this coffee shop on the west side. Try not to drink before you get there. I had told him nothing about my morning drinking, but... Uh, so I got there without drinking. He's a few minutes late. So as I said before, I thought he'd gone out, got drunk, I'd have to call AA and get another man. I swear to God. In he comes, uh, we sit down, starts telling me his story, which I identified with almost immediately. He was in advertising, not in law, but things were so similar um, that he really was able to sort of loosen me up. and I. I said to him at one point, I said, Jim, I said, the last year and a half of my life has been one living nightmare. And he knew, he knew he had a live one on the line. <laughs> and he looked at me with that look and he said, do you think you're an alcoholic? And thank God, I said, Jim, if you're one, I think I could be an alcoholic too. He said, would you like to go to a meeting? I said, sure. So off we are on our way to the mustard seed. I said, wait a second. I said, have you ever drank before you, since you were in AA? He said, no. I said, how long have you been going there? He said, three years. I said, three years? Guy seems totally normal. He speaks normally. He acts normally. So we go to the, the meeting at the mustard seed. Now in those days, nobody was, like, wasn't counting days or, or raising your hand or anything. So at the break, he said to me, do you want to raise your hand and say you're new? And I said, um, no. <laughs> at the end of the meeting, I felt bad about that because he was such a nice guy. So I raised my hand, I said, my name is Dick, I'm an alcoholic, because I picked that up from the meeting. Um, and I haven't had a drink yet today, so AA must work. First words I ever uttered at Alcoholics Anonymous, and it is true today as it was in December of 1977. So he, said, he met me that night at the 71st Street Workshop, and I went home uh, for Christmas. I was able to talk my way up to get, get, 
get home for Christmas at Woodstock, which was not an easy thing, but I was able to do it. I came back the following Monday. We went to a meeting in a very large group in those days called Regency, which met on 85th and Park Avenue. And, and after the meeting, I sort of made my social debut in AA. <laughs> there was a coffee shop named Leo's on 86th and Lexington. And all the people from Regency, and also all the people on Monday night from Lenox Hill, went to this coffee shop. So the place was jumping. I mean, you can imagine the mansion filled to capacity plus plus. And um, so I was sitting with Jim and his girlfriend and a friend of hers. And Jim was table hopping and stuff. He seemed to know everybody in Alcoholics Anonymous. So I heard them, one says to the other, is this a guy from the 12 step call? So, you know, I knew that that must have meant something. I had no clue as to what the terminology meant, but I certainly didn't ask. Uh, but later, of course, I found out what it, what it was. Um, and so Jim said to me, he said, look, first of all, you go to 90 meetings in 90 days. I went to 192 meetings my first 90 days and 187 meetings the second 90 days. And to this day, I, 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 I would say I average three meetings a week, three, sometimes four. Um, but he said, I want you to go to three groups because they all have good step meetings because you've got to, you've got to get into the 12 steps. I bought my first big book at the 71st Street Workshop uh, I think I had a plan, if that's right, for staying around, because I remember, I, I, to this day, I look at it sometimes, it says, purchased at 71st Street Workshop, January 1978. So I think I was hoping I was gonna be able to stay. So um, this room is where the Midtown meeting met. The uh, step meeting was on Tuesdays, and around the table situation the same way, uh, that we have the structure on Wednesday evening. And then the speaker meeting, there was a speaker that night too, and then the speaker, speakers always spoke from the back. I actually spoke back there, I was thinking, in probably about May or so of 1979. God, that practically kills me to say it because a lot of people probably weren't even born and I was speaking. Um, one of the speakers, at the Thursday night speaker meeting of Midtown was a guy named Jimmy, and he got up there and he said he came into Alcoholics Anonymous in 1955. And I thought, oh my God, I went up to him in the, in the line afterward and I said, my God, I said the Dodgers were still in Brooklyn in 1955. <laughs> so from that day, this is how these old timers were so great. So from that day, every time he would see me, he would say, hey, Gil Hodges. You know, Gil Hodges was a famous Brooklyn Dodger player. To people who, um, but, you know, there was, I was counting days, by the way, with Van here at Midtown. And uh, Peggy was, uh, I guess, three or four years sober, very, very active. Now, uh, with respect to the family, um, I did not need to read the chapter, The Family, afterward to say to Mary Pat, 
I think you might be an alcoholic too, okay? I knew that that was not a wise thing to do, but I believed it because, because after going to AA and I heard all of all the speakers and the women speakers, and I'm saying to myself, if they're alcoholic, I know another one, but because, <laughs> because I am, because I'm public enemy number one, I'm not gonna open my jaws about it. <laughs> and uh, Mary Pat was able to figure that for herself. She joined AA up in, up in Woodstock. I stayed down here literally for three years, three years, uh, I did all my geographics after I got into AA, the 47th Street Y, the, my brother-in-law's couch, sublets, uh, but I went up every weekend. Mary Pat got involved in this group. She was uh, secretary of the group, picking up the mail, getting the cakes for the anniversary, and all this stuff. And one of the old timers up there, when she was celebrating the anniversary, he said, well, how does it feel to be the man who accompanied Jacqueline Kennedy to Paris? Okay, for those of you that may have heard famous, that famous line of, of Jack Kennedy. But, um, so we had three years of patient striving, if you will, and decided to come back to the city. We had lived in Brooklyn Heights before the lights went out, so to speak. We didn't go, want to go back there, so we decided we'd try to go back to the Upper East Side was a financial burden because we wanted to hang on to the house at the same time. Um, putting kids in school was a big issue. And um, I remember one fr Friday night, I took the bus as I always did up to Woodstock. And the next day was the private school uh, admission test for grade school. And so we were going to try to get Rich into one of the public schools. And so, but he had not, you know, he had not, you know, taken any real courses or practice tests. We didn't really know exactly what was involved. I kind of did. And we're driving back, Rich and I, uh, that night, uh, pouring rainstorm, Route 17. And I'm thinking to myself, this is really nuts. All these Park Avenue kids are powdered and puffed. They've been, they've been tutored, you know, thousands of dollars, practice tests, and here's Rich asleep in the back. How is this ever gonna happen? And the funny thing is, both, both Rich and, and his sister Christina did get into grade schools. My daughter Christina was, um, is, was three years old when I came in, and of course, after I was sober, I was super dad. You know, I was up on Saturday morning, fresh as a daisy, reading Charlotte's Web, you know. Uh, but after three years, we came back to, we came back to the city. Uh, we joined the Lenox Hill group. Uh, I had every job at Lenox Hill from program chairman, which is where you go to the meeting to get the outgoing meetings, and like the one that does it here, I had to take the insults from the people who, because we wouldn't take speakers in. We only wanted out because our chairman picked the speakers. Um, so, and I, so I had every job, all the politics. I had to navigate the 1990, uh, that was the year that we stopped smoking in the meetings, which was a big political issue, <laughs> big issue. 
Um, I, uh, and it, the funny thing is, professionally, uh, my career, I, uh, my drinking career was sort of like, I always think of Fred, the accountant, you know, because my drinking, everything sort of fell off a cliff all at once. And, but slowly but surely, the pieces did get put back together. I was 100% wrong when I said I had never practiced law. Two years later, I was down in San Antonio, Texas, uh, for a stockholders meeting of a big merger involving one of our clients, and I couldn't believe it. The chairman of, of the CEO at the beginning of the stockholders meeting, he says, um, all right, I'd like everyone to pray that God's will be done at this meeting. I thought, oh my God. <laughs> you ever hear that before since at an AA meeting? I got a call out of the blue from somebody that uh, had worked with me before that as a result of that call, I got a position teaching uh, law school young lawyers, which I do to this day. I find the Atlantic group and all the young people that I know in the Atlantic group to be, it's very helpful to me because I got the same generation of people in my class, you know. Now, um, insofar as my participation in the Atlantic group is concerned, uh, about five years ago now, I, I've known Peggy and Van for years. I would stop by every once in a while. I went to the meeting at, the, at 91st Street once in a while. I went to the big book meeting at Marymount School. But about five years ago, uh, Rich started going, and I sort of trailed after him, not to check on him, but just to get the <laughs> And he told me to sit, okay, he says, okay, Dad, my backpack's gonna be in, by the, in front of the pillar, okay, row 20 right behind row 18 on the left-hand side up there. And uh, I needed, I needed a, a uh, rejuvenation, if you will. I was gonna say shot in the arm is probably not the best. <laughs> a rejuvenation of my program. And um, I found it here. And I started, you know, getting active. I did uh, um, greeting under the auspices of Shannon, as I like to say. Uh, I did the Asket Basket, I did um, Usher Rusher, I, I, I did, uh, not Asket Basket, uh, the Collection Basket. Uh, and then um, Matt and Charlotte asked me to be the chip person uh, on Thursday nights. So that was actually so good for me because uh, there were so many people, and the Zoom then hit about two months after I started. But uh, the, the, the class of, of 2020 and 2021 that we had, Roe and Whitney, I mean, I don't even, I shouldn't even mention names, and Sam and Pedro and Frank. <laughs> Please don't be insulted if I left your name out. Um, but that's... That's what Alcoholics Anonymous has done for me. Because I'm gonna tell you a little secret. They don't tell you in the beginning that every year that you get sober, you're gonna be a year older, okay? <laughs> so I'm a lot of years older since I came into Alcoholics Anonymous. But when, my, when I talk to my friends, they're talking about what pills they're taking and what doctor they're seeing and what ailment they have. And when I'm talking to my friends, they're talking about things that are happening right here in the, in the here and now. So um, 
Very grateful, and I, as I say, very grateful to Peggy and Van when I was, every once in a while when, when we were meeting at 60th Street, and I was walking home, I'd come in, say hello, sit in the front, and uh, uh, you know, this is really my kind of place, and I feel very much at home, even though I'm a relative newcomer. So thank you very much. Thank you.